Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're listening. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Livestream. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I'm delighted that you're here. And tonight we're going to talk about something really key to what happens when you're with a difficult person. We're going to be talking about trauma and how to recognize that. And if you're finding value from these podcasts, I invite you to support the show by going to patreon.com slash save your sanity. And that's a wonderful place where you can show your appreciation by pledging a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars a month to support the work. And that's a great way to say thank you if you found value here. So I hope you'll do that. And you know, there are so many things that we need to know about living with trauma. And Tonight, we want to talk about how living with or being raised by a narcissist actually traumatizes you. And, you know, trauma is a big word, just like abuse is a big word. And sometimes we don't want to put such a big, heavy word on what we're experiencing. We kind of, oh, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But I really invite you to get comfortable with calling these things what they are. Abuse is abuse, trauma is trauma, and when you can understand it for what it really is and you stop trying to minimize it or discount it or rationalize it, then you can actually work towards healing it. So I want to give you some things to think about tonight. In fact, I'm going to. I don't just want to. I'm going to give you some things to think about tonight and to set a context for what this all means. And what's important for us to recognize is that trauma, this big word that I'm talking about, trauma interferes with parts of the brain that deal with learning, and decision-making, and memory. And if we were raised in a home where there was neglect or there were experiences of trauma or abuse or whatever, then we may have become used to it. You know, I certainly know for myself, being raised by two hijackals and I had the joy of being an only child, that I knew what they were doing was not on, not right, But it was the only experience as a child that I had, and I'm sure the same is true for you. These are the only parents I ever had. And, uh, you know, as I got older, I realized, no, these people are not, not doing things in a healthy fashion. But I didn't realize the trauma. I didn't realize what had happened to me until much later in my life. And I was a strong person 
And so I thought, oh, well, you know, that's the way it was. That's my life story. But I had to really start looking at what was the impact of that actual stuff called trauma. And what did it do? And it's important for us to understand that because we are, we often don't associate the issues that we have in adulthood with past traumas, especially ones that happened in our childhood. For example, maybe we came from a neglectful, abusive, emotionally unavailable parents. Well, we may not understand that that created a certain kind of less than optimal attachment in us. And maybe avoidant attachment or dismissive attachment or insecure attachment as opposed to the healthy, secure attachment. And if we don't realize that, then we can't figure out what's happening in our relationships, why we're never in a good relationship with ourselves or in a good relationship with someone else. And we think it's about now. And of course it is, but we don't realize that what's driving it are the traumas of the past. You know, I think about myself again as a a young child with two working parents. I was the original latchkey kid long before that was a saying. There was nobody there. I was always coming home to an empty house. And if they were there, they probably were either arguing with each other or they had friends over. But the only function that I ever had in that whole scenario was I had the good luck to be musically talented. So in order to make my parents look good, because hijackal parents like their kids to make them look good, I would be hauled out to play the piano or sing. And then I would be go back to my position of being seen and not heard. But there was no adult who truly demonstrated care, who truly demonstrated an interest. They were just there. Now, that's damaging to children. It can be traumatic to children. And so that's an important thing to do. And if you have that kind of thing in your young life, I want to read you something from Shahida Arabi's writing, and this may ring true for you. She wrote, survivors carry a sense of toxic shame, helplessness, and a feeling of separateness from others, of being different and defective due to the trauma. And then we go about our life from that basis. And yes, we may be able to say all the right things. I'm fine. I'm good. No, it didn't affect me. No, dodge that bullet but it did affect you. And it's important to look at because think about it. A hijackal has a sense for that. So later in life, you meet a hijackal and they become your romantic partner and they can sense your vulnerability. They can sense where you've been wounded. They can sense where your fears are. They can sense where your insecurities and vulnerabilities are. And they're just delighted to pounce on them repeatedly. You've had that experience, right? And have you ever had the experience of finally feeling like you're having a tender moment with a hijackal or a narcissist or a psychopath or a sociopath? And one of those lovely moments, 
you feel like, oh, I could tell him or her anything. This is what I've longed for. This is wonderful. This is what I always thought it would be. And so you tell some deep fears or deep secrets or stories that you've never told anyone. And then you cannot believe your ears when you hear that hijackal talking about your fears or your vulnerabilities openly with other people and even making fun of them. Re-traumatization. They knew how to suck you in and make you feel safe. And then they got you to tell them some things that made them feel superior to you. And then they proceeded to use them. And that's how that rolls. And that's nasty. It's just nasty. And then we create these things called trauma bonds. And I'm sure that you've read about them and and you're aware of them, but I just want to make sure that you understand what that means. Trauma bonds are created by intense emotional experiences coupled with a threat to your life. Now, that doesn't mean a physical threat. It could be a psychological, emotional threat, but something that makes you feel very insecure, very, very unsafe. So trauma bonds are created by intense emotional experiences coupled with a threat to your life. And these bonds form so that you can survive the circumstances of abuse. It's so that you can keep a modicum of your sanity while you're being abused. So it's a way of kind of making it okay enough to get through, but you're trauma bonded to this person. And when you're trauma bonded to this person, then you have a tendency to want to protect your abuser. Now, that's really crooked thinking, but it happens to most of us who have been in that situation because you want to protect them. You don't want them to look bad and you don't want them to feel bad and have repercussions on you. So you you tend to have a protection of your abuser and you tend to rationalize and minimize the abuse. So you actually diminish your experience because of the trauma bond and The other thing is that you will then sometimes, some people will, give over control and power in their life to the hijackal because of the trauma bond. Now, that is unhealthy, and that's the trap. And we have to be very, very aware of that trap. So these trauma bonds are very key And then if you find yourself making excuses or rationalizing or justifying the abuse, then that trauma bond shows up and you're protecting the abuser. So one of the pieces of writing that I I really like is uh, by an author, Bessel van der Kolk. And he wrote this. He said, imagine you're the daughter of a narcissistic father. She grows up chronically violated and abused at home, perhaps bullied by her peers as well, and her burgeoning low self-esteem, disruption in identity, and problems with emotional regulation causes her to live a life filled with terror. This is terror that is stored in the body and literally shapes her brain. 
It's also what makes her brain extra vulnerable and susceptible to the effects of trauma in adulthood. And he goes on to say, the human brain is a social organ that is shaped by experience. And that is shaped in order to respond to the experience that you are having. So particularly earlier in life, if you're in a constant state of terror, your brain is shaped to be on alert for danger and to try to make those terrible feelings go away. The brain gets very confused and that leads to problems with excessive anger, excessive shutting down and doing things like taking drugs to make yourself feel better. These things are almost always the result of having a brain that is set to feel in danger and fear. And as you grow up and get a more stable brain, these early traumatic events can still cause changes that make you hyper alert to danger and hypo alert to the pleasures of everyday life, meaning you will focus on the dangers and you will miss the wonderful experiences of life. Now that's sad and that happens. And so if we have had some abuse or trauma in our early life, places where we haven't felt safe, we haven't felt welcomed, we haven't felt we had a place where we were walking on eggshells, where we were neglected. You know, a hijackal parents have three uses for children. They want them to agree with them. They want them to serve their best interest and they want them to make them look good. And if a child can't do that, you know, when I was talking about my experience, I was just lucky to have a great deal of musical talent and to be smart in school because that made my hijackal parents look good. So I was kind of safe because I had that. But, oh, if you didn't have that, then you would become the scapegoat of the hijackal parent. They were always putting you down, making you feel small, not good enough, wearing you down, tearing you down. A mess. And that's in your formative years when your brain is just beginning to wake up and take notice. And anything that went in in the first five, six years of life, very foundational. And it's very wise to look at those things to see what happened. Very important. So let's talk about a few things that actually are traumatizing and that you could experience in later life in repeat experiences. And, you know, we talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, but we need to know what traumatic stress actually is. And I want to help you with that because you might have buried it. You know, you might have buried that leading place, that leading experience you had when you were young, and you can't figure out why you never feel safe in the world, and you are constantly being preyed upon by hijackals and other predators. And it goes back to the beginning there. So let's talk about things that are part of traumatic stress. And you may have had direct exposure to traumatic stress, or you may have witnessed it very close by, witnessed some trauma, witnessed traumatic stress 
by maybe one of your siblings um, wasn't as fortunate as you and, and could make the parents look good. And so they became the scapegoat and you experienced that. Or sometimes a hijackal parent will choose one child to be that scapegoat, but they will threaten to beat the other children or threaten to dismiss the other children or put them in a dark room or do anything that gives them power over the children, scares the liver out of them. Really, that's what they want because it makes a hijackal feel powerful. And if that happened to you, if you had direct exposure to uh, traumatic stress or you had close association watching it or a relative or a friend or, you know, maybe in later life, you were a first responder and you were constantly seeing traumatic stress. That can do it too. And then you find yourself having these reactions, these responses, and maybe you don't know where they come from. And maybe other people tell you they're irrational and that it doesn't make any sense. And why do you feel that? that? And then you feel foolish or you feel like, what's wrong with me? And some of these traumatic stressors create um, things like um, unwanted, upsetting memories that just kind of drift by at inopportune moments, or that you have nightmares, maybe, or flashbacks, or emotional distress when you read something. We call it triggers, right? That's why in many of the Facebook groups that are about abuse, they will put in capital letters, trigger warning, and then they'll leave some white space and then they'll tell a story because they don't want everybody to be triggered. But it is that that emotional distress that pops up at these inopportune moments and a physical reaction to that, a strong physical reaction to it when it happens demonstrates that there was some traumatic stress. And also if you go running in the other direction, if you say, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, nothing ever happened to me, I can cope with anything, I am strong. One of the ways that we'll react to trauma in our youth, in our young life is to become super independent in our adult life. I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. I don't put my fate in other people's hands. I don't really need my friends. I don't discuss my needs with others. I don't ask for help. You know, what? that was one of the hallmarks of hijackalness of my mother. She would never ask for help, but she loved having other people ask her for help. And then she would give it and she would lord it over them forever. You know, if she helped them move or if she helped them by bringing them food or if she helped them in any way, she loved that because it gave her power over other humans. So if this is ringing any bells for you, I hope you'll spend some time with it. And you know, if you want to talk to me at any time, you know that you can go to um, beaclient.com. That's where you'll find me. And I have a one-hour full session offer for new clients there for only $97. So beaclient.com. And that can help you a lot to kind of look around and say, you know, where, where could there have been trauma in my life? What could have happened that I've kind of blocked out or I don't think about anymore or I got in the habit of dismissing or discounting or even forgot it was there because that's one of the ways that we 
protect ourselves. We forget that it's there. We don't think about it anymore. And of course, that's a good thing. Nature kind of does that for us because we keep getting older. We have a new experience. We go to a new school. We become social. We begin to think about what we want to do when we leave school. And we're always moving towards something. So nature kind of takes care of that sometimes. And we don't stop and dwell on what happened to us when we were little or before we left home. Because we keep moving forward, and that's a good thing in the sense that we don't stay stuck, but in the other sense, it's still affecting us, and we need to be thinking about that. So we want to also notice what we avoid thinking about, what we avoid entertaining, what we avoid listening to, and why. And one thing that happens in the ways that that it can be affecting us is that it's we have an inability to recall like i was saying a moment ago an inability recall to recall the key features and then we have overly negative thoughts about the world and exaggerated blame and then we try and downplay the whole thing and it can be affecting us terribly because we haven't taken note of it. We're not taking it in. We may be dismissing it. And it's affecting us. And it's affecting our relationships. And we don't want to be taking that risk. You know, you cannot look at your early trauma any younger than today. But it's very important to care enough about yourself to actually do a little excavation and find out what is pushing my buttons, what is driving me, what is causing me to enter these relationships, because it could be affecting you. And how will that show up? Maybe you're irritable, more irritable than you'd like to be or that you think you want to be. Or maybe you're aggressive. Maybe quite unexpectedly, aggression just pops out of you. And, you know, where did that come from? But it happens. Or maybe you engage in risky or destructive behavior. Many people who were sexually abused will, will certainly engage in risky sexual behavior or become a daredevil. Or on the other side, become hypervigilant, not want to do anything, afraid to do anything, not want to go anywhere, not want to risk anything. And that, that's definitely an effect of having had some trauma. Or maybe it's physical. Maybe you have difficulty concentrating or difficulty focusing or difficulty sleeping. And these things can also be driven by trauma. And if you haven't stopped to think, like, what's way under there? Not, well, what happened today that's upsetting me? And there's no answer. Why am I not sleeping? Well, nothing's happening. Am I worried about something? No, I'm not. But if you have it constantly going on, it may be something from your past that's happening. And that inability to recall key features of things is almost an unwillingness, too, to bring it to the forefront because it's happily buried. But that doesn't mean that it's not affecting you. Because it actually is. And if you're having these different alter, 
alterations in your arousal and your reactivity with the irritability and the aggressiveness and there may be reclusiveness or withdrawing or hypervigilance or a heightened startle response, you know, that you jump out of your skin at something that other people barely know. These are all signs of how a narcissistic trauma could be part of what happened, that some hijackal, you know, that's my term for the relentlessly difficult people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and then scavenge them for power, status, and control. That's so we don't have to make clinical diagnoses because most people are not mental health professionals and not able to do that. But if you have physical symptoms of distress, if you have sometimes immune system disorders will come out from chronic stress and anxiety. And I know many of my clients, adults who are in relationships with hijackals or have, are coming out of a relationship with a hijackal, it is so good to see them start healing on the physical level because they couldn't heal while they were in this situation, because it was constantly exacerbating their anxiety at deep levels, and that causes responses in the body. And so these things are very important for us to notice. Where are these traumas? It's important to care enough about yourself to go and look for them if you're having any difficulties ongoing in relationships or in your relationship with yourself. Now, this is something that happened to you. You didn't invite it. It happened to you. And it created your life. And the good news is that once you recognize it, once you see it, once you're willing to work with it and work it through, then you can change that. And that's important. It's good to feel powerful, isn't it? That you can actually change it. You can do something differently. But first of all, we have to come clean. These really are things that happen. And that these traumas from our childhood are not just, oh, all part of growing up. Everybody has a problem. No. I mean, every, everybody may not have the ideal childhood. But then there are childhoods that are actually steeped in abuse and steeped in trauma. And maybe you don't want to have one of those, so you kind of blot it out. But it's continuing to affect you. And that wasn't your choice. Someone did that to you. And it's very important to notice that. So I'm glad that you're here listening to Save Your Sanity podcast. You can listen to 150 other episodes at SaveYourSanityPodcast.com. Remember, if you'd like to support the work, of Save Your Sanity podcast, where you're grateful for the value you've received, go to patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. And as always, you can find me at forrelationshiphelp.com. I'm here to help you. I'm here to walk with you. Go at your own pace. Find out what's going on. Find out what's underneath some of that stuff you wish you didn't have. And get new patterns. Get new outlook. Get new strategies. Learn to try them out. I'm here to support you to do all of that. And I look forward to talking with you soon. And in the meantime, 
Take very good care of yourself because you're precious. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.